although it's been about 10 years since I've seen it, just thinking about a video that we used to show at Curcio Weekends, just thinking about that video has the power to awaken within me that whole range of emotions that we get when we watch a tight, pointed story about brokenness and reconciliation. Curcio is a Spanish word that means short course, and in this case, it's a movement in the Episcopal Church shared by the Roman Catholics and the Methodists and some other manifestations. It's a movement that celebrates spiritual renewal and seeks to raise up congregational leaders. It exists throughout the Episcopal Church, but is more or less dormant here in the Diocese of Arkansas. But the video that comes to my mind today is a video that portrays a terrible argument between a son and his parents. The argument is so severe that the relationship between them completely disintegrates as the son storms out, promising never to return. It's been so long since I've seen that video that I can't remember exactly how it works out, but I know that somehow, years later, the son got word to his parents that if it would ever be okay for him to come home, if they would ever be willing to receive him back, that they should leave a lamp on in his bedroom window in case one night he was walking by and found the courage to knock on the door. Again, I can't remember how things work out, but I do remember tears streaming down my face as I see that image of two tearful parents wrapping their arms around a desperate son in that beautiful moment of tender reunion. Stories like that always make me cry. There's something about the idea of being cut off from my family and then being welcomed back home or having lost touch with a child and then seeing that child come back that just tugs at the tenderest part of my heart. But what if leaving a light on isn't good enough? What if the brokenness is so deep that the one who is estranged never bothers to walk back by the house? What if the idea of returning home is so painful that we simply cannot go back or cannot open our door to that person no matter how much we love that person. For brokenness like that, we need a story that gives us a version of reconciliation that is more than something waiting for us if we ever turn around and come home. We need a story about a savior who comes out and finds us right where we are. In the 15th year of Emperor Tiberius, which is about 29 AD, the word of God came out to John, the son of Zechariah, way out in the wilderness. Now, unlike the other gospel writers, Luke gives us some of the backstory about who John was and how he had grown up and what it was that sent him out to the wilderness in the first place. Luke tells us that John was the son of Zechariah, a priest, and that an angel, Gabriel, had come to announce that child's birth. 
the angel explained to his father that the child that would be born to his wife Elizabeth would be a mighty prophet and that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the time he was in his mother's womb. Luke doesn't tell us about camel hair and leather belts or locust and wild honey because he doesn't need to. We know, the reader knows, that any spirit-filled prophet is going to have a hard time finding a home amidst the city folk. So Luke explains to us that from the time he was an adult, John lived not where other people lived, but out in the desert, out in those barren places on the edge of civilization where he waited to hear God's call. John the baptizer wasn't the only religious figure to seek refuge out in the wilderness. There were other groups that met out there. The Essenes, we've talked about here from the pulpit a few times, a big, popular, but fairly austere, ascetic religious group. They had left behind the ways of the Jerusalem temple and organized religion and instead established their own Jewish community out in the caves, where many centuries later the Dead Sea Scrolls eventually would be found. Before John received his prophetic call, it seems likely that he was hanging out with those Essenes. Josephus, a first-century Jewish historian, gives us the only non-biblical account of John the Baptist's life, and he describes the baptizer in ways that remind us a lot of that Essene theology. Josephus tells us that John was one who emphasized personal righteousness and piety and who taught that in order to be clean before God, you had to undergo a physical washing. But we know, because of Luke's account, that somehow God got a message to John, and it was the kind of message that caused him to leave behind that group, to break ties, even with that community he knew so well, because God had something for him to say that others, even the Essenes, weren't saying back then. Having received God's call, Luke tells us, John the Baptist went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. The area around the Jordan, those wild places beyond the edges of civilization, that's where John went. John didn't go among the towns and villages and invite people to come back, come back to their synagogue or come back to the temple nor did he encourage people to leave behind their homes and their families and go out into the wilderness where they could adopt this new and strange way of life like the Essenes would have invited them to. John never assured those who were estranged from society that back home the religious authorities would leave a light on for them if they could just get their act together and go back where they started. No, John met them in the wilderness. And it was there that he gave them the good news that God's salvation was coming out to find them. He told those who were unable to find a welcome in their local synagogues or in the temple that reconciliation and forgiveness were not waiting on them if they come back, but that the opportunity for turning things around had come all the way out into the wilderness to meet them where they were. And in Jesus Christ, that's where we see God meeting us as well. Sometimes we don't know how to take that first step back. 
Sometimes the wounds of rejection run so deep that we can't even being imagined, we can't even imagine being welcomed if we were to go back. It's in those moments of most profound brokenness that it doesn't really matter whether the people who are waiting for us would be eager to see us if we darkened the door because we're not coming anywhere near that threshold for fear that we would be chased away. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that God's promise of salvation and redemption and forgiveness aren't conditional upon us finding our way back. They are brought out and handed to us even in those barren places, those places where we dwell alone and apart. The path to reconciliation is indeed one of repentance, a word that means turning around. But John the Baptist helps us realize that the forgiveness we're looking for isn't waiting at the end of that journey It's offered to us even before we take that first step. In some ways, of course, that message of unconditional forgiveness and reconciliation isn't intended for people who come to church on Sunday morning, who know they'll have a place in one of these pews, who realize they will always be embraced by God at the altar. Most of the people who need to hear that message of God's unlimitless love, God's limitless love, are the ones who aren't here today. They're the ones who have been pushed away by religious institutions and groups like ours, by people who claim that leaving a lamp on in the window and waiting on sinners to come back is all we're called to do, the kind of people who believe that it's up to those who have gone astray to get their lives back in order if they're ever going to walk through that door again. But that's not the gospel of grace. That's like putting a sign on the front of your church that says, saints are welcome, but sinners need not apply. And that's not what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. We are the ones who have received that message of God's unconditional love. And as such, we are called to do more than welcome people when they come back. We've got to share the good news with those who doubt that they would ever have a place in a church or a family or a community like this. We've got to reach out to them. And that means going out to those places, physical and metaphorical, where broken relationships pile up. Where three strikes and you're out is the rule of life. Where hope is hardest to find. Those are wilderness places where city folk like you and me are usually afraid to go. But they're also the places where in the tender compassion of our God, a new dawn is breaking upon God's people. If you're one of the many people who already know that that new dawn is breaking, then it's up to you to go out and share that good news with people who doubt that a new day could ever come and find them. And if you're among the many people who've been led to believe that God's love and forgiveness will never be real for you until you become a better person or get your spiritual act together, hear this good news today. God has come out to meet you right where you are. Even out in the wilderness, a voice of hope is crying that God is the one who makes the crooked paths and rough places straight 
and smooth until all flesh, all flesh can see God's salvation together. Thanks be to God. Amen.